Welcome back to the Art of Dating podcast. This is episode 11. Um, take it away, Ryan. What do you have for us? Oh, wow. We're right, we're right into it. Good. Uh, last time we started off the episode, uh, episode 10, and I was talking a little bit about the linear line and the bell curve, right? And it's funny. It just it reminded me, we were in class one day, and the, this I was talking about all of this, and this kid raised his hand and said, Look, everybody in here is making out, right? People are all making out. We, we live in Utah Valley, and so we've got two major colleges here, universities, and everybody's making out. Could we just talk about making out? And, and it was, he felt like we were kind of dancing around. I said, next time, I'm going to do a lesson just on making out. And man, everybody brought their roommates <laughs> yeah. to, to hear this lesson. And, uh, and it really came down to this question. We started off with President Kimball's statement that now I've used twice, where he said the Bible celebrates sex, right? But, but he says the second half. The Bible makes plain that evil, this is a quote from President Kimball, the Bible makes plain that evil when related to sex mean not, means not the use of something inherently corrupt, but the mus- misuse of something pure and good. So you go, okay, so we're not saying, I think too often we give that idea that, oh, this is something not good. But it is good after you're married. Like, Sex is bad before, physical intimacy is bad before, sorry, I'm trying to, I'm trying to balance how much I use the word sex and physical intimacy here, that uh, it's bad before marriage and it's good after marriage. No, no, physical intimacy is always good in itself as its own encapsulated thing. Mm-hmm. How we use it is good or bad, right? Yeah. Using it before marriage is not good. It's not that it is not good, right? It's not that physical intimacy becomes suddenly bad. It's you've used it in a poor way. The timing right? and so yeah. so it's the way you use it. It's never the the thing itself. It's the way you've used it that becomes the sin, mm-hmm. right? So we had the, we had this great conversation, and you know you can probably imagine all the things we talked about. But the main thrust of the conversation was how does kissing build a relationship? And and we had a really great conversation on this. How does kissing build a relationship? You know it. It, uh, it excites you, it releases all, all these hormones and dopamine and whatever all those things are from your brain. And, and that binds the two of you together because you've experienced this enjoyable act together, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're thoughtful and cautious, you're not just kissing for yourself, but because you like them and you like for them to feel those feelings too. And that's hard to think, right? That's, that's a very mature thought. But... It also stops building a relationship like we talked about in the last episode when it becomes selfish. When kissing becomes selfish or I just want to get together and make out, right? And, mm-hmm. and around here, and people in other parts of the country are going to be like, oh, those Utah Mormons drive me crazy, right? Yeah. Uh, it's called a NICMO, right? Do they, I, I, I still think they use that term. Is that not oh, right? Oh, definitely, okay, yeah. So NICMO, a NICMO yeah. means non-committal make out yeah. in CMO. That will never build a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so you can't imagine that a non-committal kissing session would find favor in the eyes of God. Yeah. You know, some people are like, it's not a big deal. You're just going to make out. And you go, so how do you think that would find favor in the eyes of God? When he said, I've given you this gift. Here's how I want you to use it. You can, you can kiss before you're married, right? I haven't heard any prophets say that you can't. You can kiss before you're married, but I want you to limit the amount, right? Don't engage in all the just prolonged passionate kissing. That's how President Kimball described it, prolonged passionate kissing. Don't engage in that. But you can kiss because it will build your dating relationship. It will help you discover if you're sexually compatible to, to, to the level that you need. 
But when it becomes selfish, you know that you know, you're sliding off that slope where you go, well, now we've begun to destroy our relationship instead of to build it. Mm-hmm. So the real question then comes down. We, we talked about the what, right, in episode 9. In episode 10, we talked about why you should keep the law of chastity in terms of the sexual relationship. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about how. How to use this gift of physical intimacy that Heavenly Father has given us. I'm going to give you five keys today. Um, it's all going to be built around the same quote, right? All three of these episodes are all built around the same three or four quotes. Let's look at the second half of President Hinckley's quote that he says to the youth. The Lord has made us attractive one to another for a great purpose. But this very attraction becomes as a powder keg. Now, some of the youth that are listening to this may not know what a powder keg is. A powder keg is like a, a barrel, a wooden barrel, that has TNT in it, or something like gunpowder, we would say. Dynamite. Dynamite. Uh, you know, and, but it's probably in a granulated form, and it has like a, a fuse sticking out of the top, and at least in all the cartoons I ever watched, that's <laughs> yeah, how it exactly. looked, right? The Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote. Um, so you see this barrel with all this in it with a fuse sticking out of it, and he says, it can be beautiful, and you go, blowing up a powder keg is beautiful? Well, all of the dynamite inside of there can be used for great things, right? They used it all up Provo Canyon, where we live here, to blow off sides of the mountain so they could make a road so people could get access to the beauties that were up there. Mm-hmm. So it, it can be very constructive, but it also can blow you up, right? It can yeah. be very destructive. So he says it's beautiful when it's handled in the right way and deadly if it gets out of hand. So I'm going to use this little phrase from him. Keeping it under control, right? and handling it in the right way. So here we go. Five ideas on the how of using the gift of physical intimacy that God has given us, which we also call call the law of chastity, are the rules part of it, right? Mm. So keeping it under control. Number one, keep it under control and right by understanding the what and the why. The very first, first motivational factor of you going, I shouldn't do this, is because you know you shouldn't do this, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't have an understanding of why you shouldn't or what it's all about, then it's going to be harder for you not to just give way to your passion. So I know we've got a bunch of moms and dads and bishops now listening to this because they've been messaging me like, hey, I'm listening to this for my singles ward so I can get some ideas. So to the moms and dads and bishops, here's what you need to do. You need to talk to your kids about the what and the why. Because once they have that, it will be their strongest chance of keeping it right it'll give them the very best how you know when you're when you have all these passions inside of you go wait the what of this is this is a gift and the why of this is heavenly fathers asked me to obey this because it makes me happy or unhappy so i'm not going to participate in this i think that often we think well we don't ever talk about sex if you don't ever talk about drugs if you don't ever talk about whatever they're never going to do it when in reality, like they'll go to outside sources, and if you can educate them and be like their best advocate for teaching and learning, then you're going to help them understand the why and the how of sexual intimacy. And rather than expecting that when you talk about this, that they'll go and do it, it's more of this is actually why this is so sacred and why we should um, like reserve ourselves for marriage. 
then I think it's going to be a lot more effective than just not talking about it. You know? Yeah, yeah. There, there used to be this idea, even in the church, that if you didn't talk about things or that if you talk about things, it would lead to people doing them. And that mm-hmm. may be true if you're describing some, some very physical, intimate act, if you go into great description. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that may get stuck in a brain. But in general, that, they found that's not true. It's the same thing with suicide, right? People have been afraid to talk about it because they don't want to put the idea in someone's mind. And they're finding all of the studies are saying that's not true. It's better to find out if somebody is suicidal. Well, it's the same thing here. Mm-hmm. That understanding why and how will be the first really, or understanding what and why will be the first really great how. Mm-hmm. So, so spend some time, right? And, and it, it is not easy. I'm, now I'm talking to the dads out there. You know, you're talking to your sons about this. And you, you in your mind, you want to say, boys, let's talk about sexual intimacy. And they're going to go, great, dad. <laughs> you know, yeah. in your mind, that's how it goes. Just what I and you go out for a ride and then you get ice cream and they come home and say, dad, you've made a difference in my life. Well, I can tell you from personal experience that that is not how it goes. Even as a teacher of this, that yeah. you go, now I want to explain something to you boys about sexual intimacy dad oh dad i'm gonna put my hands in my head until you're it's done embarrassed. You know, it's like, and you, but you can't surrender you have to stick with it and yeah. right you have to have that okay so hopefully if you've listened to this podcast as a young adult then you go well i have a pretty good grasp on number one because they spent a whole hour or 45 minutes talking about what mm-hmm. and 40 minutes talking about why right so that's number one number two Keep it under control and right by putting some rules and regulations around it. So there's another great how to live the law of chastity or how to use this gift right. Put some rules around it. And we talked about this a little bit in episode 10, right? What girl is going to think that her boyfriend's an idiot by saying, I respect you so much, let's make some rules. Every girl I've ever met says he became way more attractive. I wanted to kiss him more after he said that than I did before. Um, So if you're thinking of that powder keg, right? Uh, back when they actually used to use those, they don't use those so much anymore. But but they still use explosives. They don't leave them lying around. Oh, absolutely. Not. Right? They put them behind a gate, and they put all these great little signs like "handle with care." Wouldn't that be great if you could think that about your physical passions? Eh, authorized personnel only. <laughs> yeah. Right? So I'm sort of trying to think of what other funny signs you see up those. But you know, authorized personnel, handle with care, use with caution, uh, that kind of thing. Because that's how you know that your physical drive is like a powder keg. And handling with care, you go, I can't, I can't afford to get my fuse lit. And I love that analogy. I know it's a little, it feels a little racy. But I can't afford to get my fuse lit. In other words, I shouldn't be listening to music that talks about sex. I shouldn't be watching movies that depict it. Right? I shouldn't be hanging out. Uh, this is something we said in, in the ninth episode, but I really, you know, ever, ever, it came out of, I think, maybe my mouth, and I was like, whoa, I hadn't said that or thought that before, but conversations about physical intimacy should be less in the locker room and more in the family room, mm-hmm. right? We shouldn't be talking about it with our friends and joking around about sex because that, that kind of ignites the fuse. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about it. That means we shouldn't be joking around about it and talking in sexual ways, right? So, I mean, if, if, you have, if you need a better statement than that, here's Elder Holland. No one has any better statements than Elder Holland. No. This is from his talk, Personal Purity. Sex is a river of fire. Wow. I mean, there he lays it out That's right there, right? Yeah. Sex is a river of fire 
that must be banked, right? That's where you put up dirt so that it turns one way or the other way. That must be banked and cooled by a hundred restraints. Now think of that. That that what he's talking about is learning to control your emotions and your passions and your thoughts and what you listen to and what you read and what you watch. That That's putting up banks around this sexual drive that you have. Sex is a river of fire that must be banked and cooled by a hundred restraints if it is not to consume in chaos both the individual and the group. If you don't put any restraints, which the world is advocating, right? And I've even heard LDS people advocating some of this. If you don't put some restraints around it, it's not like you go, I now have sexual freedom. Imagine this river of lava coming down, right? This river of fire. And you're banking it and, and you're keeping it away from homes and things. And someone says, I just want freedom. And so you move all of the banks. You remove all of the banks. Mm-hmm. That river just then starts to fan out, a diluvial fan, right? It just fans out. And it just attacks everything in front of it, right? It consumes the trees, the villages, the villagers, right? It comes down through the city. Mm-hmm. As opposed to if you'll bank it and cool it and you'll move this river down through, it can be productive. You can use it for things, right? Yeah. You can pull out, pull out some of the lava and use it at times or whatever it is. But if you remove all of the banks from this river of fire, it will eventually spread out and consume your whole life. And I can't tell you how many young adults have come into my life uh, that that has been the case where they have, I, I had one who said, uh, you know, she, she was coming back to the gospel of Christ and she'd been out for about a year and a half. And she said, after a whole lifetime of living good, I was going to just go out and have my fun. And she removed all of those banks and, and basically destroyed her life for a year and a half and, and had to come back and say, I have, I've had to reassemble. I've had to try to put that lava back into the river, right? Yeah. Which is not easy. But with Jesus Christ, we can. And we're going to talk about that in the next episode. With Jesus Christ's help, we can do that. But it's so much better if you can bank it and cool it without it destroying the village, the villagers, and all vegetation. Totally. Right? Yeah. So that's number two. Put some rules around it. What kind of rules? They're pretty basic. You know, when, I, when Angie and I got engaged, we, my bishop's name was Bishop Duke. And he gave us a little card that said, Bishop Duke's Rules for Engaged Couples. And it had 10 rules on it. And they were things that, that make sense, right? Don't ever touch uh, each other's sacred parts. Don't lie down together. Uh, don't, uh, you know, don't sit in a car making out. Don't, you know, don't engage in prolonged kissing. Don't watch movies together that aren't appropriate. You know, you can imagine all these things. Uh, you know, don't be in a bedroom together alone. Mm-hmm. Don't even go into bedrooms together. You know, all of those things that you could discuss through and say, if our goal is to stay safe, what reasonable rules? Because, uh, you notice I threw in the word reasonable. Mm-hmm. I have had a, this is just, just recently, I've had a couple of young adults go, man, you know, what's reasonable? We've just said, we're not even going to touch each other. I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's reasonable, <laughs> yeah. right? Because it's supposed to be, the physical intimacy is supposed to help build your relationship. Um and so with it, with reasonable rules, I would think that you go, if we keep these, we are not going to break the law of chastity. We're going to keep God's rules for his gift. But it will also allow us to have some physical touch that will build our relationship. Mm-hmm. Any questions or comments on that? That's a lot of take in right there. But, but the rules are better, right? The rules are better than the destruction and the cleanup. I think we often go, oh, yeah, but, but the Savior's atonement. 
And I think sometimes we get a little fooled into thinking just because the Savior sacrificed for us that um, that it... We're free to go willy-nilly. You're free to go and that there's no consequences yeah. to your actions, right? You still can damage yourself. Have you ever heard the poem, The Ambulance in the Cliff? It's called The Fence or The Ambulance by Joseph oh. Malines. Yeah, I have actually. Yeah. So uh, let me just read a little bit of that. I've got it here somewhere. It says, "'Twas a dangerous cliff, as they freely confessed, though to walk near its crest was so pleasant. But over its terrible edge there had slipped a duke and many a peasant. So the, so the people said something would have to be done, but their projects did not at all tally. Some said, put a fence around the edge of the cliff, some an ambulance down in the valley." We've already said this, that we know that no one's going to be able to live the law of chastity perfectly. Mm -hmm. Everyone's going to need the ambulance at some point. But it would be so much better for your life to learn to kind of put a fence up there. The more you can put a fence up there that's reasonable, that's healthy, right? Well, let's stress that, that's healthy. The better off you're going to be. So you're not continually trying to pick your life up again and again by having an ambulance down in the valley. And so, so these things are great. They're great helps. Let's go on to, let's go out of this one on to number three. Keep it under control and right by preparing for weak times during times of strength. This may not seem easy to understand on the surface. Let me just explain a little bit. The worst time to make rules with your boyfriend or girlfriend is in the middle of when you're just sitting there kissing. Right? Or you're having all these hormonal craziness going on and you're like, we should make some rules about, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're like, I, I say that the rules, you know, they're, they're not, the not going to yeah. be very good rules, yeah. maybe we could say. A better time is when you're both feeling the spirit or you've just had a, you know, you've just read a talk about the gift of, uh, of sexuality or whatever, or, or you have this, you're filled with the spirit and you say, let's make some rules that are healthy, reasonable and protective and will bless us. That's a good time. So, so how do you prepare for, how do you prepare to keep it under control when you're strong? Making rules is a great way. And repenting during those times is a great way. I'm reminded of the anti-Nephi-Lehites when they were saying, right now, we're not tempted to fight our, right, the Lamanites, our mm -hmm. brothers. So let's bury our weapons so that when the temptation comes up, it's impossible to get to that. Yeah. Maybe a better way to describe that is thinking of pornography. Uh, you know, pornography, when I was a kid, it was like you would have to go to some store somewhere in some wicked city. You know, I lived in the little city of Bountiful at the time. You'd have to go to a wicked city like Salt Lake, you know. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and somewhere there, you'd have to buy it in print form, mm -hmm. which none of us could ever even possibly fathom. So we didn't look at pornography. Mm -hmm. But now it's so accessible that you can type in one word and have pornography on your phone or your computer. Mm -hmm. How do you bury that when you're strong? Can I, can I throw you out some ideas from a mom? Yeah, definitely. So this is what my wife does. She has passwords on all of our stuff. Mm. And we all agreed, you know, she's got, she lives with three boys. So we have four girls, right? Now we have two boys. And, and so there's the three of us men in there, uh, me and my two sons. And, and she has the passwords for everything. And we all agreed that that would be best. And, and I'll tell you, it's really kept her in great shape too. Because <laughs> 10 times a day, mom, mom, Angie, you know, we're all calling her. And she's up and down the stairs putting in passwords all over the place. But one day I was like, isn't this getting annoying? And she said, I'd much rather have to deal with passwords than with an addiction to pornography. Hmm. 
because that's also hard and much harder than me going up and down the stairs and putting in passwords for people. And I thought, wow, that's a, that's a very wise. And I found this for myself too. Even as an adult male, things don't just all turn off and you don't have any of these temptations. I remember a bishop telling me that when I was 21 years old. He's like, this is something you're going to have to control your whole life, right? You're going to learn how to control these. Uh, it was in my pre-marriage interview. You know, that back then you used to have a pre-marriage interview. And he's like, you're going to learn to control these feelings all of your life. And me saying to my wife, this is a good idea, even for me, not just for the boys. Put them on, on our TV and put them on my phone so that at the moment where you go, ooh, I wonder what that, you know, something pops up, you know, a program, you're like, I'm going to watch that. And you click it and it pops up and says, what's your password? You go, I can tell you, that's happened to me several times where, you know, your interest is peaked a little bit and you click on it and it pops up and asks for your four digit password and you go, oh, whew, okay, that probably <laughs> is stuff I, I shouldn't have watched, you know, and you go, man, I'm glad that at one moment, I was strong enough to say, Angie, put a password on our TV. Mm -hmm. So if that's a struggle for you and you're listening to this, if you go, man, I'm struggling with pornography digitally for sure, have a roommate put a password on it, a roommate that you trust, mm -hmm. so that if you have a weak moment, you go, I can't even access it. My sword is buried six feet under the ground. I might as well just move along, right? Mm -hmm. I think also, too, realizing where your weaknesses are. So it, like before my mission... It was just like tempting for me to like scroll through Twitter and like be on Snapchat all the time. So coming back from my mission, I was like 18 months of never having used any of those apps. Like coming back, I was like, I already knew I wasted time on that. And content like that, just it, like the more, the more apps and the more social media you have, the more access you have to um, inappropriate things. So I think post-mission Kayla was like, don't download the things that... Like, just don't download them because you're, one, not going to waste time, and two, you're not likely to pop up on. Yeah. And you think of, as missionaries, that's a great comment, Kayla. You think of, as missionaries, how much you have buried your weapons of rebellion. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You go, there, there are some, there are some uh, protections in place for missionaries. Why would you not want those same protections when you come home, mm -hmm. right? They're just even, they're even more essential. When you come home, because when you're out on a mission, you have you're surrounded by a bunch of missionaries that are full of read the scriptures, scriptures all day, and all you're yeah. doing is talking about Jesus all the time. And so when you come home, like you've just prepared for a lifetime, and it would be foolish to think that you're stronger than the safeguards. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. Let's move on to number four. Number four, keep it under control and right by thinking of the eternal consequences of your immediate actions. This is not easy to do. This is something that you have to train yourself to do. Uh, do you know the, the poem by William Shakespeare called The Rape of Lucretia? I don't think I've heard it. So he, he was commissioned to write this uh, poem, or kind of a, what's a better word for it? It turns out to be kind of a poem. Mm -hmm. And he does a couple-page poem, and he, and he submits it, and he kind of gets a scolding back, like, wow, for the amount of money that we gave you, it should have been something much more. At least this is how the story goes, right? Mm -hmm. This is the story as I received it. So he goes back and he writes perhaps his longest poem. It's like 2,000 stanzas. Holy. And it's about this man. He's the, uh, like the captain of the guard. And there's one of the princesses, and her name is Lucretia. And he begins to like notice her. And then he begins to lust after her. And she, you know, she rejects his advances. And so instead of going, well, I've been rejected, he continues to lust after her. And then he begins contemplating rape. 
And the whole poem is this story of him. And then a lot of this end of the poem is him talking to himself about what he should do. Uh, you know, well, maybe I will do it. Maybe I won't. Maybe, And it becomes this Smeagol, right, in The Lord of the Rings, where he's talking to himself about, you know, Gollum and Smeagol. Should I, should I, should I, should I? And right in the middle, it's like the crooks of the poem, he says this, and it's become a, a famous eight lines. And, and he says, quote, What win I if I gain the thing I seek? So he says to himself, if I rob, right, if I, if I uh, do this to her, what win I if I gain the thing I seek? A dream, a breath, a froth of fleeting joy. So he even realizes himself, this will be like a moment of pleasure. But what will I win if I do it? If I rape her, what will I get? It'll be like a froth of fleeting joy. And for most people listening to this, they don't know what froth is because we're not beer drinkers. But <laughs> but they've been they've had a, a root beer float. Oh, yeah. You know, you've been to a singles ward activity where they pour in the root beer and it turns out to be mostly that bubbly stuff on the top. The right? bubble goes away the and fr- it's one inch. The, of- the bubble goes away and you got one swallow of root beer <laughs> exactly. there. And you've sucked into your throat like you know, two of cups of air, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's he says doing you know, having sex outside of marriage, outside of God's way, is a froth of fleeting joy. There's no substance to it. It won't build your relationship, it won't build your friendship. It is a froth. Then he goes on, who buys a minute's mirth to wail a week or sells eternity to get a toy? Boy, that makes you go, that is, that's what you're giving up when you decide to unbank the river of fire, right? Mm-hmm. For one sweet grape, who will the vine destroy? Or what fond beggar but to touch the crown would with the scepter straight be struck down? Just to, a chance to touch the, right, the crown jewels would would risk death for it. I love that because if we can have enough presence of mind to say, if I do this thing, what will be the consequences? And for us, I mean, here's, you know, here's uh, the captain of the guard saying, I may be killed for this, and he actually ends up, it's a terrible, the rest of the story is even worse than this. It just continues to get terrible. Uh, But, you know, which of us would go, if I do this, I may not be able to partake of the Lord's Supper for, I, I can't have communion, the sacrament, for a period of time. You know, or I'll no longer be worthy of my temple garment or my temple covenants, or I swore in my baptismal covenants not to do this. You know, or I will have a significant loss of the Spirit right right in the middle of my most important decisions. Maybe you're dating and, and you're like, oh, I, I need to know if, I, if, I, if this is a good person for me to marry. And I'm about to lose my chance to receive revelation by going too far, right? Mm-hmm. You go, oh, if we could have that presence of mind. So, so that's why I put in number four. Keep it under control and right by trying to think of the eternal consequences mm-hmm. of your immediate actions. I love that. That was, that was beautiful. Well put. Thank you. Let's go on to number five. This will be our last one. Keep it under control and right by purifying the rest of your life. Amazing how you go, I'm going to read my scriptures more to keep myself from being sexually impure. You think, well, that doesn't, how does reading your scriptures help with pornography, right? Or, or with controlling yourself when you're on a date with your boyfriend or girlfriend. President Hinckley said, this is what you do. If you will strengthen this part of your life, all parts of your life will be strengthened, right? It's not like they're just separate parts of life. If you'll strengthen your spirit, your spirit will gain control of your body. So he had a couple of recommendations in his talk to the youth that I already referenced 2001. 
He said, avoid evil talk. Don't, don't speak evil things. Don't speak inappropriate things. Then he says, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Hmm. That's interesting that that will strengthen the rest of your spirit. Choose your friends carefully. The friends that you have will be a big determining factor in how much of the spirit you have and how much the spirit's with you. Don't waste your time in destructive entertainment. Avoid pornography. It is exciting, but it will destroy you. That's his exact quote. It is exciting, but it will destroy you. Do not uh, stay away from illicit drugs entirely. The church counsels against early dating. Steady dating at an early age leads so often to tragedy, right? Now, we're going to flip that on its head for all the youth listening, right? Don't get in a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship when you're, when you're in high school because that so often leads to tragedy. And if you want the blessings of following a prophet, here you go, right? Here's one of his counsels. Have a wonderful time, but stay away from familiarity. Keep your hands to yourself. I love that. Just, just keep your hands to yourself. So... Let, let me just expand this one just a little bit. So improve the rest of your life. In other words, learn to control everything, and especially your thoughts. Here's the one from Bruce R. McConkie. There is an eternal law ordained by God himself before the foundations of the world that every man shall reap as he sows. If we think evil thoughts, so that's the sowing is the thought. If we think evil thoughts... Our tongues will utter unclean sayings. If we speak words of wickedness, we shall end up doing the works of wickedness. So if you let those thoughts come into your brain and you don't push them out, right? They'll come to your brain whether you're, whether you're perfect or not, right? Mm-hmm. That is part of human nature. They'll come to your brain. If you push them out, that's where they stop. And you remain pure. You didn't bring them and you didn't keep them. And so you're still pure. But if you bring them and then you entertain them, eventually you'll start talking about them. Mm-hmm. And if you talk about them, you'll eventually do it. And they have tracked every, right? I mean, this is, this is pretty scientific. This is also interesting. If our minds are centered on carnality and the even, evil of the world, worldliness and unrighteousness will seem to us to be the normal way of life. Mm-hmm. I had a girl say to me one day, "Why are actually, this was from your class. A girl oh. stayed after your class and said, so a boy asked me what I thought about, and it was simulated sex, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, laying down together with your clothes on kind of thing. And, and he was joking around about it. She said, now this kid is in our elder school presidency. He's a return missionary. How can this happen? You know, and another girl came to me and said, look at the text I just got from this kid. And it was terrible. And that, we, you know, I, I, I happened to know the kid. And so, man, did he get called on the carpet. Um, <laughs> And they go, how could these good guys be doing this? And I said, you know what? They've gotten so much into this world that it seems like it's normal. It seems to them like it would be normal to send a text to a girl that talks about this. Because they've gotten so much into the world of pornography, of watching these movies, things like, you know, I haven't watched this, but I've read some commentary on the Game of Thrones. And then I had a kid in class go, that's my favorite show. And I'm like, whoa, if you live in that world, it will start to seem normal right? If, if that's what you're seeing all the time, and then all of a sudden you're going to talk like that. And you'll send a text thinking it's normal, and then all of a sudden it gets exposed and you go, oh my gosh, I don't know how I could have sent that text. Mm-hmm. It's because you lived in the filth, and pretty soon you believed everything was filth, right? That's what he says. 
Um, if we ponder things related to sex immorality in our minds, we will soon think everybody is immoral and unclean, and it will take, and it will break down the barrier between us and the world. Elder McConkie says, wow. eventually. Now he, he flips it on its head too. On the other hand, if we are pondering in our hearts the things of righteousness, we shall become righteous. If virtue garnishes our thoughts unceasingly, our confidence shall wax, wax strong in the presence of God, and he in turn will rain down righteousness upon us. Mm. Right? He takes that from the uh, Second Nephi 9.39 and from the Doctrine and Covenants where they were speaking to Joseph Smith about letting virtue garnish your thoughts unceasingly. So there's those five. Mm -hmm. The five hows, or five ideas, right? Not the only five, but five from us. Five ideas on how to properly use and protect the gift that God has given you in terms of your sexuality. I'm just going to review them again because sometimes for people listening, I think that helps to go, oh, just give them to me in order without all your chit-chat between them. <laughs> yeah. So here we go. Number one, keep it under control and right by understanding the what and the why. So what is God's plan for sexuality for his children? And why has he given us rules that, that protect that gift? Number two, keep it under control and right by putting some rules and regulations around it, right? It's okay to make some rules. That doesn't make you weak. What that does is make you strong. Absolutely. Number three, keep it under control and right by preparing for weak times during times of strength, right? Put some passwords on. Make some commitments. Talk to your parents about it. Talk to your girlfriend about it. Talk to your boyfriend. Make some, right, make some commitments when you're not aroused so that if you do have those feelings that you can control them. Number four, keep it under control and right by thinking of the eternal consequences of your immediate actions. Try to think, what will be the consequence? Is this a froth of fleeting joy that I'm pursuing? And what will I be left with at the end, right? A belly full of air and a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. And then number five, keep it in, under control and right by purifying the rest of your life. The more righteous you are, the easier time you're going to have in keeping the Lord's law of chastity surrounding his wonderful gift of sexual intimacy between a married man and woman. So there's five. And I can tell you from personal experience and from having taught, I don't know, I can't, wouldn't even venture to guess, but well, well over a couple thousand students, these five, that they really do help, right? We pulled them right out of the words of prophets. Uh, you, you probably noticed I had a quote for every one of them. We've pulled them right out of the words of uh, God's prophets and, and from the scriptures. But I, I believe that if we do this, Christ will give us his enabling power to remain as pure as we can. And, and as we struggle along through it, that he'll use his redemptive power to cleanse us of the times that we fall short of what we should do. Mm -hmm. I really like um, all of these comments on um, just how to navigate uh, dating while you're you know especially when you're dating someone seriously before marriage because it puts a lot of perspective on kissing like the long-term goal the long-term perspective of why you kiss but then why you safeguard yourself from moving further than you should and i think something i actually this was in your class the second time around you mentioned this that like um you don't arrive at because the act of sex or uh, intimacy is the act of binding souls together and it's I, I never thought of it this way of it's not as soon as you get married the, the moment you say I do that you're you initiate binding souls where it starts beforehand which is essential 
because then there's this like moment of complete unity, you know? Yeah. Um, and so the kissing does that where you can start the binding of a soul, but safeguard yourself. And, and it can also destroy it. Right? Exactly. It's that, it's that bell curve where you go, yeah. we don't, you know, it doesn't have to be all about kissing. It, it can be. And I know some people go, I just, we, we just kiss very little. And I go, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but, but there will be a line where you go, that's too much. Exactly. Right? Where it could then rip apart. Yeah. And I had a student whose name was Megan, actually, in your class, who said, uh, it was so good I typed it down on the slide. She said, when it becomes about the act and not about the person, then you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, then you go, oh, now I'm thinking but just about kissing and not about being with them and building a bond with them and, and keeping it appropriate. And as Heavenly Father would have me do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a wonderful thing. It's a great topic to talk about. This is of the three episodes. This is always my favorite one because I just have students coming in saying, "I'm, you know, I'm struggling, and now what can I do?" And I'm like, "It's nice when you can get to saying, here's a couple of standard things. Do these, do these things that the prophets have counseled us, mm-hmm. and you're going to be pretty safe." Absolutely. Right? So I love, I love that safety. Everything that you awesome. just said is so good. All right, so this is our last episode together before you're off for the summer. So listen to us. We'll have other people around. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then Kayla will be doing our preface to each one of these. So yeah. she'll be prefacing all I'll still be involved just from many states away. Yeah, so. so we'll be back in the fall. And, but we'll resume. We'll, we will release once a week every Tuesday. So expect the same. Um, and then again, feel free to reach out through Facebook, through our page, um, The Art of Dating where you can message us questions or stories um, and you can find quotes on there as well. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Thanks, have a, everybody. Uh,